You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you together? go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and uh, this is 3CR's look at the Australian film industry and things that are happening in it. And uh, we're focusing on a film that's going to be shown at the Queer Film Festival. Queer Film Festival 2022 starts on Thursday the 10th of November and runs to Monday the 21st of November. You can go online, you can find all the information out about the program. And uh, today we're looking at the festival. Australian feature of the year and uh, it's the Melbourne premiere of The Longest Weekend. It was uh, made in 2022, directed by Molly Haddon and uh, we're going to speak to Molly this morning. Uh, It's set in Sydney's Inner West um, and it's about three disconnected siblings who who are turned upside down when they find themselves forced to live under the same roof. Now, um, there's going to it's going to be shown this film, The Longest Weekend, on the seventeenth of November, Thursday, the seventeenth of November at seven p.m. at the Village Cinema Jam Factory, and it's going to be followed by a Melbourne Queer Film Festival artist party at nine p.m. at the Emerson Rooftop. So it's uh, something to look forward to, but. Hear from Molly Hayden first up. I'm interested in your background getting to make films. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about your journey? Uh, yes. So, I mean, like a lot of people, I think I started out um, sort of in my teen years doing a lot of acting. Um, I really fell in love with that and performing and storytelling. And I think when I was in my... Um, mid-teens, I think I decided I wanted to also go into film. Um, And then when I left school, I studied film. I went and got a bachelor's in screen. And then from there, I fell into cinematography, actually. Um, I decided it was an area that I really liked and enjoyed at uni. Um, And I went and studied cinematography at uh, AFTERS, the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. And there I sort of decided, oh... Um, While I like cinematography, it's not quite for me. And I had always really wanted to direct. And so then I decided to put my intentions on directing. And um, I was working um, in the industry for a little while. And then I decided um, that I wanted to step away from sort of full-time work and actually focus on directing. And I spent a couple of years making um, short films and music videos And then, yeah, two years ago, 
decided um, with uh, Jordan Daly, our writer, who I went to Afters with, that we wanted to make our first feature film. Mm, which is The Longest Weekend. And uh, all that work that you've done with uh, cinematography as well as theatre must have uh, played out during this film because it's a very tight film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were sort of, it was quite tight and contained um, for a reason though, uh, and not, you know, dare I say it, not a particularly creative one. Um, We knew we wanted to make this film, um, but we knew we didn't have a lot of money to make it. And so we decided rather than um, trying to, you know, spend years trying to fight for like lots of funding, we decided, no, let's come up with a film idea that we can do for not a lot of money. So we kept it really contained. We kept it, you know, it's set over only four days. Um, It's predominantly set in a house. Um, And, uh, yeah, and so we were able to pull off sort of this feat of creating a feature film because we kept ourselves um, restricted in that sense. Uh, But I feel like it also has a nice, effect on the film it sort of aids um you know it it aids the story um this sense of them all being really contained and that's sort of how the drama of the film emerges well it's character driven uh in the sense that it's yeah yeah it's it's about uh three siblings um and you do a lovely build-up uh very uh, quickly around character development for all three as well as their connection to their mother very very cleverly done i'd have to say thank you thank you i mean we spent a lot of time workshopping and developing the script we were really tweaking it right up until i'd say two weeks before shooting and we workshopped it with lots of actors and we had the beginning like far more extended at one part and then we cut it right back and you know we really wanted to um uh get to the heart of the film as quickly as we could while also sort of setting up the relationship between these siblings. And I think the the easy thing about siblings is a very clear relationship dynamic. I think when you see it on people, there's no mistaking it because I feel like there's something like uh, the way you treat your siblings, you wouldn't treat anybody else in the world that way, the way you speak to them and sort of the instant um, frustration that you have with them and the tone, it's sort of... um, yeah, I think you can get to the heart of a sibling relationship quite quickly. Yeah, and all of them are under under uh, stress. Um, one of the things, this film is being shown as a centrepiece piece at the uh, Melbourne Queer Film Festival. And one of the things that's really telling about this film is, and it's a fantastic thing, is that the uh, person who is uh, uh, the gay uh, uh, character, uh, uh, sibling, She's just one of the people. I mean, her sexuality is important, but it's part of the story. It's not like, oh, goodness, there's a gay person here. Yeah, that was really important to both Jordan, the writer, and I. We, um, a lot of the queer films that I, um, obviously there's a place for all queer films, but something that we both identified with and, and noted that we liked, and I feel like a lot of other people have said they liked, is when... Um, a story contains a queer character, but it's not a film about being queer. Um, it's just a film about them as people. Um, and while the yeah, while it's 
you know, she's sort of, uh, the story, story sort of told through her eyes. It's not a story about being queer. Yeah. Um, she just, it's a family drama that has um, sort of a queer element to it. Yeah, which is which is great. I, I mean, it's not reduced. It's not uh, 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 highlighted. It, it it just is an a, a fact. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. The other thing is, and I, I figured that this must have something to do with your background as an actor and also your theatre background. The performances—they're fantastic. They're great. They do a great job. Oh, thank you. I mean. It's- um, I can't take all the credit for that. We worked with some really great actors. Um, we, you know, the three siblings um, uh, were really wonderful and we spent a lot of time rehearsing as well with um, the best friend character, Sasha. And then to have John and Tammy, um, who played the mother and the father, John John Batchelor and Tammy uh, McIntosh, um, they were so excellent and, you know, such um, staples of Australian screen. And when they came on board, they were both so incredibly generous with their time and their um, passion for the film. They both really believed in it. So that was so wonderful to work with them and, have you know, have them really give their all to those performances as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, very well received at the Sydney Film Festival. It was. It was really exciting. We had two uh, screenings, which were both sold out, and then we were one of 15 films to get a back by popular demand screening um, in the sort of third week of the festival, which was really, really um, exciting and so wonderful to have so many people come out and uh, see the film and um, identify with the film and people we weren't necessarily uh, expecting as well. I think it was really well received by not just people of um, uh, my generation, but also my parents' generation. Um, really great feedback from them and how much they enjoyed it. And even though the mother is a much smaller role, how much they identified with that character as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, can you tell me, uh, from the script to the uh, editing phase, how close were you to that? Well, if you, because there were so many versions of the script, I think, I mean, Jordan's such an incredible writer and and so diligent and so open to, um, like, uh, workshopping with the actors and getting the lines. And so if you take the first script that we wrote, so the very first draft, to the um, completed edit, uh, it's incredibly different. Um, And then even as we, but even the first draft is very different to the, shooting script that we worked with um and there are a lot of changes from the shooting script to the edit um it's definitely a lot closer than the first draft but um I think the most we had to do was uh cutting it down because it is such a dialogue heavy film um we really had to spend a lot of time you know uh while we had done a lot of editing of the dialogue in the script and we're like, let's just keep everything essential. When we got into the edit, we really felt that we found that there was a lot that um, was repetitive and we could really cut back and we could, things we could shuffle around a little bit, but um, so, so yes, I'd say it's 80% the same film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, then what you're saying is that you have to think about the ebb and the flow of a visual uh, as opposed yes. to the yes. voices. 
Yes, yes. And then you find as well, um, also when an actor sort of um, performs the text, that you do maybe find while it wasn't there on the page that something was felt like it was said twice, you realise in the performance that maybe it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was great to work with um, such a great editor, Sarah Panzetta, um, to really find what we really needed and she because she brought us a sort of new eye to it and you know her pointing out like I feel like we've we've covered this I feel like we've seen this before and us going yeah okay maybe we've already got that and so we can pull it out pull it out and you know really just keep what we need to get to the heart of the matter. This is this has been a great exercise for you as a um, as a uh, professional hasn't it? I mean it has definitely it's been a t it's such a whirlwind it was a very you know, really in the process of filmmaking, it was quite fast. I think the nature of uh, making a micro-budget film um, is that you don't have to, and a lot of filmmaking is taken up by time waiting for funding bodies, really. Um, and because we didn't have that, we, from conception to shooting was one year, and then from shooting to premiering was one year. So really in two years, we had made... Uh, a feature which is incredibly, incredibly quick, but um, it was really wonderful. And COVID, while it, you know, hurt us a lot of ways in the filming, um, because Sydney was in lockdown right after we filmed, uh, it actually meant I had all this really dedicated time to give to the film and really sit and focus with it, um, with Sarah, the editor. Um, but yeah, it was definitely. Um, an incredible experience, but um, a baptism by fire in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'd like to go back to the difference between making a theatre piece, because you have been a theatre director as well as an actor. Yes. Uh, yeah, and and that what you learnt from that to film as a film director. I, well, I had directed a theatre show really not long before we did... Um, the feature and one of the things that I felt was really important and does come from my uh, theatre background is the importance of rehearsals, particularly knowing the nature of sets that when you're on them and with us, we really have very little time. We shot the film in 17 days. You know, we want to be almost there when we get on the set in terms of performances. We really want to have covered a lot of stuff. And um, so when, we were on set, we could just tap into the work that we'd already already done. So that was really important. Um, and definitely, you know, knowing as an actor, you know, myself, uh, how I like to prepare and um, what I need to get to a place, doing it really last minute for me is a struggle. Like I really like to have come already doing the work and, and the actors we worked with were the same. And it was, so it was really good to have that foundation when we got to set. And I'm glad... Um, I'd covered a lot of that in theatre and, you know, done um, that sort of long-form rehearsal style there before. So you felt like you had a conversation already going with your actors? Absolutely, yes. We'd spent, we did two months of rehearsals before we filmed, which is a long um, period of time, obviously not every day, but we would meet uh, once or twice a week for two months, um, which I feel like a lot of films uh, don't do, which is 
I mean, totally fine, but it's just the way that I like to work as a director. And then also because of the nature of the film being so word heavy and dialogue and relationship driven, you know, we really, it was great to spend this time uh, building the sibling dynamics, building their background as siblings, you know, what school did they go to? What were, what are the, all the other elements of their childhood that weren't covered in this script? You know, what's um, building their uh, world outside their backstory, um, uh, I really love to do a lot of that, and the actors were great to work with. Yeah. What about your technical staff? Did you do the same sort of thing with them, or how did that happen? Uh, yes, we didn't have as much on it. So Jack um, Jack Shepherd, who was our cinematographer, uh, came on board a little closer, probably about one month out, and we spent a lot of time talking about the references to the film that we liked, um, and how we were going to achieve them. And then obviously, and why it was so great to work with Jack and his camera team is when you get on set and you realize the restrictions of the space you're in, how do you creatively problem solve? And Jack um, works with uh, a team that he works with on the regular, uh, Tommy Austin and and Mikey Hama. And they were really, um, really, really great at just creative problem solving in the space, which I can't necessarily, when there's so many other things to do as a director, be always involved in. Um, but it was great to have worked with Jack beforehand on what exactly we wanted the look for the film to be. So when he was on set and doing all those things, he knew what to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other, and would do what you asked him to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that that gets into uh, uh, your role as a director. Did you find that, um, I mean, not that gender should make any difference at all to these roles, but our society has a, a rather bent view on gender. Did you find that uh, you created your persona as director from your own uh, kit or did you have some people that you uh, refer to? Um, persona as director, I think, I feel like I do really create it from my own kit. Um, I mean, I've met a couple of great directors, but the nature of directing is you don't often work with other directors, if that makes sense. Um, and while there are a lot of, um, wonderful filmmakers out there, I can't say there's a particular filmmaker whose work is the one or the career or journey that I would necessarily like to replicate myself if that makes sense Mm. um i feel like i coming from the background of both uh camera and acting has been the most helpful thing for my directing and having a foot in both camps has really really um helped guide me um because those are two really strong areas um that it's good to have a knowledge on and they often say like a a director is either a technical director or an actor's director. Um, so a director that doesn't know anything about the technical side but can really work with the actors um, or a director that struggles to work with actors but really good on the technical stuff. And um, I like to think because of both my backgrounds, I'm neither an actor's director or a technical director. I'm a bit of both. Um yeah, yeah. Well, or at I think least I'd so. like to think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I, I, I was really impressed at the quality of the performances and the genuineness of the responses of the actors, as well as the um, 
fluidity and tightness of the filmmaking. You didn't have any flab. Oh, thank you. Yeah, look, we really, um, you know, as I said before, we really wanted to cut it down and, it, you know, it could have been a much longer film if we'd kept everything in. But um, no, I think you really want to get to um, the real core of the thing. And um, particularly with something like this, you know, it was we just wanted to get there and feel it and feel that emotion and, um, yeah, keep it nice and tight. Did Were the um, actors that you did choose, were, were was the script written for them or in mind or were they, did you just have a lot of people that you uh, asked to come and read? No, it wasn't written with anyone in mind per se. Um, Ellie Clappen, who played the older sister Avery, um, I had worked with a couple of times before and we did ask her to come in and audition because I'd worked with her and I could, I could see her as Avery and, um, I, and I liked working with her. And then the other actors, we just put uh, casting calls out and we were approached by a lot of um, actors who we auditioned and then went through a casting process. Hmm. Yeah, well, you did a fine job. And the other thing is, did you have to court the older actors who are, as you said, very well known? Yes. I mean, that was a little bit um, with Tammy. Um, uh, Jordan, you know, very wonderfully just uh, reached out to Tammy's agent and um, and Tammy read the script and said she really, really loved it and just wanted to be a part of it. And then uh, John, we actually had someone else cast in the role of the father who, because of COVID, unfortunately had to pull out. And then um, John had known our camera operator. And while we were trying to problem solve um, replacing the father only a few days out from filming him, um, uh, Mikey said, uh, oh, I know a couple of people. Let me reach out. And and John got back to him. And, and John ended up being uh, the perfect um father he was really really wonderful and he had such a great look to him for this character as well and ended up being uh, quite lucky that we got him and that he just happened to be available and was keen to help out and 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 knew Mikey and was yeah yeah happy to be a part of it yeah well there you go Uh, actors just like to act as I always say um they do and they like to work with people that they've worked with before and they and they know it's going to be a a good time, you know, it's going to be a positive experience. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, The Longest Weekend is going to be a centrepiece uh, uh, screening for the uh, uh, Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Are you coming down for that or is that uh, you're just uh, wishing them well? I should be coming down for it. Uh, I am in a play currently and I have... Um, Luckily, that night off, so I should be down in Melbourne for the screening and hopefully I can get maybe a bit of time in Melbourne. I haven't been there in quite a while, um, not before COVID at least, and um, so it would definitely be nice to come down and be a part of the festival, yes. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and that was the wonderful Molly Hayden, and she was talking about her directorial feature debut, uh, the uh, uh, longest weekend, and it's going to be, as I said, a centerpiece at the uh, most recent uh, queer film festival, Melbourne 
Queer Film Festival, which starts on Thursday the 10th of November and runs to the 21st of November. And The Longest Weekend uh, is going to be screened at uh, the Village Cinema Jam Factory Thursday the 17th of November at 7pm and there's going to be an artist party at 9pm afterwards at the Emerson Rooftop. So go on to the Melbourne Queer Film Festival website and you'll be able to have a look, work out your tickets and uh, there's some fantastic films in fact. Uh, The opening night there's going to be a premiere of um, Private Desert. Um, it's going to be shown at the Acme because uh, Melbourne Queer Film Festival has uh, is showing in a variety of places. It's going to be at Acme, uh, Jam Factory, Nova, and at the Victorian Pride Centre rooftop. There you go. There's going to be an outdoor cinema as well. That's in St Kilda, I think. Um, that should be really interesting. Anyway, the... Uh, Private Desert is a story following Sarah, a gender-fluid blue-collar worker who lives as her male birth identity, Robson, in an online relationship with Daniel. And when Sarah disappears, Daniel drives 2,000 miles across Brazil to find her. This sounds like a really interesting film. And the closing night film, The Rising Forest, is uh, travelling through the Amazon. Yura, a trans-Indigenous artist, embarks on a journey of self-discovery using performance art and ancestral messages. This just sounds like fantastic programming. Anyway, that's it for Showreel this week. And uh, coming up next is Published or Not. We'll go out with a bit of Paul Kelly just for um, remembrances. So... Thanks for your letter And your kind words of comfort It's good to hear from you again I'm going okay Taking it day by day You know what they say Can't complain It's just these little aches and pains I got them always now Sunshine or rain It must be nice out there On the river Maybe I could visit Haven't had a trip in a while There's nothing much keeping me here I see the gang maybe once or twice a year You and me, we could walk a rambling country mile Test out these little aches and pains When all else goes They remain
say but we die Is that a cliche? I'll make it one Hope it doesn't get too creaky I have found that what you don't know will hurt you What doesn't kill you makes you weaker Gives you little aches and pains You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.